This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode does not contain spoilers, but does mention the Dark Olympus series Once Upon a Time and The Descendants. There's also discussions surrounding domestic abuse, sexual assault, and fat phobia. For full list, please see show notes. Hi, everybody, and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing books one through three of the Wicked Villains series by Katie Robert. And so that would be book one is Desperate Measures, which is an Aladdin retelling, Learn My Lesson, which is a Hercules retelling, and A Worthy Opponent, which is a Peter Pan retelling. And our very own Jessica Marie has really been pushing and like advocating for these books for a really long time. So we have started them here. So Jess, why don't you tell all of us why you really have been so adamant about these? So, okay, so I think it started with reading Neon Gods. And as we do with certain books and certain authors, you're like, oh, well, let me see what else this person has written. And then to find out that they, that she basically had Disney retellings. And I say Disney, you could use it loosely. It's, you know, a lot of stories are just childhood stories, I guess. But the twist was that the quote unquote good guys and the stories that we knew are kind of the bad guys in these stories and the villains were the actual here the the villains that we were aware were actual the good guys it was just a whole different twist that i was really excited the first time i read desperate measures i it was a lot it was a lot um i don't think i was exposed. I, I thought I was exposed to a certain level of spice until uh, Katie Robert. But all that being said, you get past that and there's more depth to her books than I think you realize. And I know we've had like a voice memo conversations where you're like, take that all out. I understand this. And I think it's just this series is a great blueprint for Dark Olympus. But it's also a great introduction to if you don't know where to start with like your spice or just like curiosity or just understanding the depth and like not wanting to kink shame, but just to like educate yourself and be like, huh, I never thought of it from this POV. And I feel like I learned a lot through reading this series. I agree with you. I agree with you a thousand percent. I have a statement, and I think it's a blanket statement that absolutely applies to Desperate Measures specifically. That statement being, um, Red Jasmine really has a hold on society. I, yeah. I did not, like, I, I understand that, like, Red Jasmine is, is a moment. It, it is an impactful, like, childhood moment for a lot of people, myself included. That was, 
shocking as a child, I have to say, to see Jasmine like that. Um, but I did not realize that like my experience with Red Jasmine was so shared by other people. And that was very nice. So I do like seeing that Desperate Measures, because I'm sorry, Desperate Measures is is quite difficult for me to get through. Yeah. Um, but knowing that it's like Red Jasmine and like, you know, she's into it. She's into it. She just knowing she's into it from the start is helpful because you because you I don't think I don't think the first time you read that you you know that and desperate measures starts out with a bang quite literally quite literally but it's usually and we've had a couple discussions about certain books having so much internal dialogue where you're like that's great, but like what's actually happening? But understanding Jasmine's internal dialogue, you totally see why she thinks the way that she does in Desperate Measures. So, Jess, I know that you would you say that you love these books? Would you say that these are these are books that you very much enjoy? I think I enjoy them for what they are. I think when I first read them, I was like, wow, these are so good. But then I, you know, I think with anything, um, Katie has her sea legs now. So this is just I go into I, I really do think where where there were some inconsistencies or pacing issues that I kind of didn't see and, you know, or that we didn't see in this book. Those have, you know improved on over the course of the books that she's written. Um, do I love these? No. Would I recommend them? Absolutely. Oh, excellent. Excellent. I, I love that we're starting off that way. Do I love them? Mm. I feel like this is really controversial. People are going to be like, wait, what, they, I, what, this, can, this can go very differently. Well, like, that that's such a great statement. It's like, do I love them? No. Would I recommend them? Yes. They're fun. Why? They're fun. They are fun. They are quick. They are quick yeah. reads. Uh, they are entertaining, very entertaining. Yeah. Uh, we, I did these through audio. Uh, Jess, how did you read these? Audio, audio. The narrators are fine. Fine, they're fine, and you can read them at really any pace. <laughs> and I say that because. By, towards like the last hour of a worthy read, I was at three. I never read it, but it was, but it was still like I felt it was very conversational with like a really quick talking person, but I understood everything. I, you know, I'm laughing at you, but I was at a two seven. Exactly. So, oh, so it's by, by the point decimals, you're like, it sounds the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, at, I was at two seven, uh, finishing up a worthy opponent. I have read all of these twice. A worthy opponent, I would say, f to be fair, I've read it about 1.5 times. There's like a chunk in the middle that I'm not so uh, sure about, but that that's fine. That's fine. Let's let's go through these. Uh, we're not going to harp on all of them. Let's just like say what we're going to say. We're not going to harp on the smut. That's not what we're here for. That's not what this pod is. Um, we're going to harp on the good stuff. Like we always do. Like we always do. Not that smut isn't good as it's time and place. And this smut is fantastic. This is fantastic smut. 
But the story is really good here. And we're going to make some connections um, that maybe you weren't aware of to tie you into all of Katie's stuff. So desperate measures. Jasmine. Jasmine is 25. She's pacing in her room at night. What happens, Jess? Well, we find out that Jafar enters her room and it's basically a CNC uh, relationship at this point, even though that they've kind of been eyeing each other for five years. We know this through the timeline, through the dialogue. Um, and then there's just like a lot of unwritten like looks and glances for their relationship. Jafar, um, but why does he enter her room? He kind of runs the territory now. He there he staged a coup, overthrew her father. Um, her father's name is Balthazar, so he's not a great guy either. So that's consistent with some of the Balthazars that we've met um, in our fantasy journey. And um, he kind of parades her saying, like, this is mine. Nobody touch her. Uh, not only do I own this territory now, I own her and everything that comes with it. Um, but there's, we get a couple things right off the back too. We got, we have a, who did this to you? Because Jasmine is covered in bruises and they weren't through consensual, um, they were not like consensual sexy bruises that she's received from Jafar. She, um, got them from her father who is abusive and part of the coup when he finds out that her father abused her was that he killed him. Yeah. After he found, he was like, oh, this was just going to be a coup. But now that he treats his daughter like property and, you know, the, the famous line, we know Jasmine is not a prize to be won. And she lets you know it in this book, too. Um, she, he, 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 Balthazar is unalive by like chapter five, where we're about like running the territory. My note is, what is a man doing here? <laughs> When Jafar is in her room, like <laughs> shout out to uh, Miss Redacted, a Walmart parking lot, one of the best people on TikTok and Instagram. She's amazing. Um, but what is a man doing here? Um, he's taking the fuck over everything because you have bruises on your face, Jasmine. Let's just call it what it is. He says, J he, Jafar, Jafar later on says that he moved up his timeline just because of like... The abuse, he just couldn't, he just like couldn't stand it anymore. Oh, and I guess that is a good point. The reason he moved up his timeline is because her father basically sold Jasmine to Ali. Um, we'll, we'll probably interchange that between Ali and Aladdin just because that is the generation of which we come from. Um, but Ali was like, hey, I'm going to have your daughter. And Balthazar was like, okay. So here she is knowing uh, what a bad person Ali is. And even, even with Jafar, it's the lesser of the evils at this point to Jasmine. And Jafar knows it too, because he's like, look, I might not be the best guy, but I know we, I'm better than him. And Ali bought and paid for Jasmine. So he has this like sense of entitlement to for her and Jasmine fucking hates him. And that is established. What also is established is that Jafar and Jasmine have a safe word. We can say this all now. Every single couple in these books have a safe word and they have pet names. Okay. It's fine. This safe name, this safe word is Raja. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Okay. Whatever. 
Um, later on, I cannot stand their pet names. I cannot stand them. It oh. drives me absolutely up the wall. Absolutely up the wall. Yeah. Um, but Raja is their safe word. And I find it interesting that, like, I know this is, like, we just have to, like, go with it. I know we have to just, like, go with it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> they, like, don't. They, like, have this really flirtatious relationship, but, like, not really because they don't really talk. But there's, like, chemistry, you know. But they have a safe word. Uh, yeah, how did that? that how did that happen? How did they have a safe word before? Like they've never hooked. Up. Like that first scene, chapter one. What is a man doing here? Jasmine loses her virginity in that CNC scene, and it was like, but how did we establish a safe word already? When yes, uh, lots of questions. Like, so, but it leads you to believe: was there something else there that is just happening off? Page and I mean they've been flirting with their eyes for five years. Who, Who is knows? Raja? Is it your cat? Like, <laughs> where did that come from? Like, we have to go with it. This is not what this is about. I understand this. Moving on, but damn, damn, uh, what this is about is run, Jasmine, run, and I will release your trust fund. I will give you your freedom. I'll give you your money if you, Jasmine, can make it out of this fucking house. Um, yeah. And she can't, obviously, Jasmine can't escape Jafar because she doesn't actually want to. That is her kink. And we're not yucking anybody's yum. She likes to be chased. She likes to be quote, quote, forced. That's her thing. That is what it is. That is what it is. Because that, because this whole time, and it's drilled in throughout all of these books. They were like, this is a choice. We've established safe words. If there was a sense of needing to get out of this, and and she says it even in her internal dialogue. She's like, I don't want this. But she's like, if I really didn't want this, I know what my safe word is. Um, I can I have control of this more than I realize. Yeah, it's just and it's the only and and we should like it's the only thing that she has control of in her entire life. She's not a lot, you know, we and throughout the book, she's not, you know, in control of what she, you know, what she wears, where she goes. I mean, th one of the things is like, oh, maybe that's why she has a hedge maze, just so it feels like she has something that, you know, feels like she's not trapped, even though it's within the confines of a compound. And Jasmine's resourceful. She finds her own birth control. She finds like little workarounds with like alcohol and things, but she cannot get out of Jafar taking her and like fucking her and claiming her and then parading her through his like men and everything to prove that like he has taken the daughter. Cause like, you know, king takes queen. It's that whole thing. It's that whole thing. Uh, but, 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 but I love these little things that we learn about Jasmine. Jasmine, like she loves computers, right? We learn that through like the, the sexy phone sex when she's trying to like break into hit Jafar's computers. Um, we just, we learn little things about her, you know, college, but like dad didn't let her. And I like that we see Jasmine's growth, especially by the end of this book. And um, of course, Jafar is a dom and Jasmine is his sub. And that is consistent for the rest of these books as well, that the main characters kind of follow that order. Uh, I also like Jasmine's and just you said it earlier, internal dialogue about having no choice, as you said. But she also has something about like, I'm not a, actually a person. I'm just a possession. I'm just a jewel. And then I'm a treacherous 
daughter. Like I'm guilty. Like I am happy that my dad is dead because he was horrible and he did all these terrible things to me. And then I'm in bed with his enemy. Like I'm treacherous. And I like that kind of internal work that she does throughout this book. Yeah, I, I, that's right. It's it's interesting. I, maybe it just comes down to how the internal dialogue is written, because I feel like we go back and forth with our critiques um, and our discussions about internal dialogue, because when there's actual um, output of that internal dialogue, it's like, yay, great. Because like you said, at the end of the book, you're like, yeah, she did the internal work and she let everybody else know too. Yeah, Part of the internal work that Jasmine has to do is that she learns how to be um, like a sub for Jafar. And in doing that, that kind of helps her do her internal work. Uh, she has to uh, follow all of his orders and she has to kind of learn to love that and um, wrap her head around um, the relationship that that has like with her father, because he, you know, there's the whole like study scene. There, there's, there's the whole study. There's the whole study. Um, but, but, but the, the locking up of Jasmine in Jafar's like, like tower or whatever, whatever that would be. She says like, um, it's just like a different cage. It's just like a prettier cage. And that is just like consistent with Jasmine. Like that is just what we know about Jasmine. And these other characters in these other books as well all have kind of the same feeling of being trapped. Well, and she's and she gets to a point where she's vocal about it with Jafar, too. He's like, oh, you know, you know, about being caged. And she was like, oh, like with you. And he's he's even like, oh. She's not she's not wrong there because it really is one cage for another. This one just it f doesn't f in their head. It's like, but I'm giving you more freedoms. So is it really a, a cage? It, yeah, it's just a bigger cage, but it's still one that's there. But part of the dialogue that the, the internal dialogue that Jafar is having that would make a difference, I think, from the get go is, hey, I need you to stay here. Ali keeps slipping. This is the situation. Even though I don't see you as property, he does. He has a sense of entitlement. It is for your safety and your own good that you stay under lock and key and only on floors 19 and 20, whatever, you know, until we catch him. Then we can renegotiate everything. If that conversation happens at the beginning, none of this running around, getting kidnapped. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. I'm not going to listen to you, daddy. Stuff would have happened. But no, then we wouldn't have had a book. But then we wouldn't have a book. We wouldn't have plot. <laughs> if they talked to each other, we wouldn't be here. I mean, that's just that. Um, having now read all... No, not all. Having now read three of these books, I love rereading them and seeing Tink here. I love seeing Tink here. She's like, hey, like, I'm going to style you. What's up? Like, I designed all of this stuff. And it is fun to see her in this role and hear her drop little, like, bits about, like, I could help. And, you know, I did help one. So, you know, a little bit about her background. And then rereading, knowing what we know from the third book is very fun. And even what I love about Tink in this series, so, like, really, I say so far, 
Compared to the tink that we know historically in media, she might be bratty, but she is not just like this jealous little fairy going after, like, histor- again, historically, Tink is this jealous girl, mad at Wendy because she has her man. No, like, Tink, just have Tink have a personality here. You're like, I'd be friends with Tink. Tink is fun. Tink is really fun. And the way that they make Tink, like, kind of mean and kind of abrasive, and they make Jasmine very uh, sweet and innocent and kind of just open to new experiences. It's just like a very good juxtaposition between the two of them. So I like their dynamic and I like that they're like kind of, kind of friends like later on. Well, and then, and speaking of like how calm and like just the world opening up to her, that's something that Jafar says. He's like, I, we went zero to 60. I forget that this whole world that I'm very well aware of She doesn't know that because at this point, you know, not the Jasmine that we've learned in the movies, but she's never ran away. She's always stayed with it. She was always the complicit. um, Yes, dad. Yes, father. Yeah. Like, I am a yes girl. Um, That's what the good like. That's what a good daughter does. I am listening to everything, even though she does have her workarounds. But that you hear that through that internal dialogue, like you said, Laura, where she's like, oh, but like. I might be like, I might be like good and like following directions, but how frustrating is that? Because I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to for not good people. Am I a bad person? Speaking of not good people for just hating daddy and baby girl. I hate it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I, it was such a thing that I, even this reread, I had to work through. I still don't understand it. But it's not for me to understand. Like that is this that is but this is why I really appreciate these books where I'm like, you get deeper into like if you get like into the psychology of it, you're like, but it's not supposed to be for me. Yeah. And I can acknowledge that. And that's and it's not to to shame anybody. I just don't understand the depth and that's fine too, but I can respect it. And I can also cringe every time she says it. It, it, it's just like I. It, it's just like this visceral, like ugh. I, I, you know why? I think it's because I picture the sweet little Sultan from the cartoon, and, and I'm just like, ugh. it just it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Uh, all of that to say, we have our introduction to the underworld, our sex club. Okay. I was thinking about this objectively. Objectively, it's very silly. It's very silly. Like, this whole thing is very silly, objectively. But if you're in it and like, no, I'm going to take it seriously, then like, yes, this is a very dark and sexy, kinky sex club where our elite of Carver City come in neutral territory to... Is it silly because you're thinking in your head, I have blue Hades, I have twisted Jafar... (laughs) No, no, it's silly to me because it's like, this would never, like, this, this would not happen. Like, this, it happens though. This, no, this would not happen. You just, you just can, I just, I cannot, (laughs) I cannot wrap my head around participating in and being in the environment of a sex club with my enemies, with my enemies, and not, 
murking them on the spot. Like, okay, uh, I see. Okay, that's the part that you're being. Okay, I was like, sex clubs exist, Laura. No, that's, 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 not, that's, what that's not what you're talking about. Okay, that's not what I'm talking that's, about. That's okay. No. Now you explaining it really helps. Just like, just like, I, and it's like no neutral territory. We all, what you all come there and talk and spill your secrets to the <laughs> oh, staff. Sh- like, what are you doing? You know Wrong they keep ra- right choice of words. Like we all come here. I mean, I know what I'm saying. It's, it's just, it's just like with it's your silly. enemy. It's silly. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. And like they all know that Hades has like dossiers on them, and like everybody's <laughs> listening, but they're all there, just like spewing everything. It's just, it's funny. It's silly. It's silly. I, it makes sense. <laughs> At first, I was like, "Where is she going with this?" It's silly, but like if you if you choose to take it seriously, <laughs> then then okay, then okay, uh, I'm following. Now. You know what I'm saying? I'm uh, following now. I was like, wait, these exist. Okay. So if we choose to take it seriously, then, then, uh, uh, Jafar has to show off Jasmine to the city's elite and all the other territories to prove that he has his, like, queen, his chess piece. So he puts Jasmine in the red dress, bless him. Uh, and they, they, they go, they go to the underworld and Jasmine is like, wow, the city is so big. And Jafar's like, shit. One thing I'll give, I, I say one thing, but there's a lot of things that I give Jasmine credit for is that, you know, Tink picks out all her outfits and she's like, jewel tone. So, of course, we're thinking of like all her jewel, you know, you know, that there's a turquoise outfit. There's a purple one. There's a, the red one. The red one is what she wears. And she's like, you forgot something. She's like, I didn't forget shit. Right. So then because she's like, these are all like really nicely like, going out outfits. I respect Jasmine. She's like, oh. He only wants to give me going out outfits. That's fine. I'm going to prance around this place naked so all his guards will look at me. And so, because she's like, I just want like athleisure and jeans and all this thing. <laughs> so she played and he's like, uh, she has a point. As we do. As we do. As we do. Like, bless, bless. Uh, where are we? Sex club. Hook. Alexian Hook. Uh, that was Hook. very fun. There's a little like interaction with Tank. And then we have the schoolgirl outfit and bending her over the desk and everybody's watching through the clear window. Meg is there. Give him a show. Meg and Hades approve of Jasmine. All very fun stuff. And then Ali, Ali gets in there and he's like, hey, I'm going to save you. Be ready. I'm going to take you. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. And he th- he truly thinks that he is like, she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, that's right. We need to be discreet. I'll come back for, he thinks he is a savior in this moment. Yeah. Sneaky, sneaky. He, not only is he sneaky, he thinks he's like, he, he's her hero. As he would, as he would. But all of that, uh, seeing Ali, uh, gives Jasmine like those feelings of like guilt and shame and anger and fear. And uh, do- doesn't she throw up here? Yeah, yeah, she threw up because he kissed her and it wasn't consensual and she's never liked him. And 
And that was when Jafar initially thought, oh, my gosh, like, I've overwhelmed her. And this is where Jasmine starts. She pushes past her, like, exterior that, like, she's kind of been, like, the front that she's putting on with Jafar. And is like, she was like, this is not the time to fuck around. Like, I need to tell him what happened. And she was like, Ali was here. He trespassed security, all this stuff. He kissed me. You, it has nothing to do with you. You have been wonderful. You have been very attentive. Um, that's why I'm physically ill. Because he was like, oh, my gosh, did I not, um, like, was I not, uh, did I not receive her? Did she tell me no and I didn't listen? Like, he was really, re- was I not receptive to her? I'm sorry. That's what I was trying to say. Um, and that wasn't the case. And she was like, I can't let him think that it was a him thing. Um, and then it becomes a bigger issue because of security breach. And it's brought up to Hades and Meg. Yeah. And Hades revokes Ali's membership. And he's like, hey, hey, hey. And then later on, Hades comes through with that information. Good for him. Um, but Hades was like in all the, in on the whole time yeah like he knew what was going on and he was just like moving chess pieces around and it was just like a whole situation um all of that to say that because of kind of that we get sexy time with meg and jasmine we have like we get we get phone sex we get sexy meg time uh specifically though we have meg offering to get jasmine out and then she has seven days Uh, to get out if she wants to. This is an ongoing theme with Meg. However, this one is treacherous. This is a treacherous one from Meg, which is like read weird to me on the rereads when she um, genuinely offered, I guess, spoiler, we're not there yet, to tank. It it was just, it was strange. It was strange. It was strange. Whatever. Yeah, I I mean, just like the first book in general, this first, the the lack of female friendship, because there's the internal dialogue. She's like, who am I kidding? Like, Tink, because Tink even says, she's like, I'm here to do a job. I'm here to get paid. Don't confuse this for a friendship. Um, because, so, like, Jasmine's really isolated in this first book. Yeah, Jasmine has absolutely nobody. But she does, of course, end up falling for Jafar. And through all of these uh, revelations that she has and, like, working through her own, like, issues, um, she's like, I'm done being a pawn. And she calls Meg and is like, hey, I'm out. Get me out. Get me out. Meg's like, be ready in an hour. Be ready in an hour. And Electo... Uh, overrides those fucking elevators and gets her out. But it's not the freedom that she believes because they take her from one parking lot to another where Ali is waiting because Ali and Hades had an agreement and Meg is like, sorry, peace. Yeah, and Meg can't do anything about it. And of course, we learn later on like the details of her relationship with Hades. Um, but Ali ends up taking Jasmine to her old house in her old room, which is like so gross. She's like, you're, you know, you, you were destined to be here. Like this is, you are supposed to be here with me. It's just like whole gross. And he physically abuses her too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, meanwhile, Jafar gets the address of where she is from Hades. And Hades is like, we are square now. Bum, ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-bum. Uh, so they are, you know, all accounts are settled there between them. Well, and this is the good part because ja- uh, Jafar is like, I'm going to save her. I I love her. Blah, blah, blah. And she was like, and meanwhile, he thinks he's doing this. She saved herself, stabbed Ali, 
killed him. And she's like in this white dress because he made her dress in white because he's like, it's our wedding day. Um, and so she's drenched in blood and she's like, ooh, this is like a look. I'm going to go ahead and tell everybody like it's me, bitches. Like I run this territory. And then she has like some loyal guards who have said like, the throne like the throne i say the throne the territory should have always been going to you it should have never been like your father sucked we all know this you know some people might not like be on board but you can get them out but there's a lot of us who do support you so when jafar comes running in like oh save you jasmine um she's like uh no you won't i saved myself and you better tell me right now because i already know the shit that you can pull because i saw you pull a coup on my dad are you gonna do the same to me um bend the knee he does he's like i am your bitch and she goes bet and she's like okay now we can now i run the show the end yeah basically yeah the end (laughs) and then um they talk about like ask me again in a year you know all all of this which i like i like that it didn't like this russian that she was like "Mm, let's pump the brakes i got my own shit i gotta deal with i gotta fix all of this now Exactly. You know, what is a kingdom without a queen? And the theme for these books, every single one of them, all three, I say all, all three, uh, is about um, the equal equality, like yeah. the bringing, actually, I would say like both partners meeting at a place where they are both equal, because it's not bringing one up to a level. It is both meeting at a different level and being equals together. So like, so they also, uh, Jafar and Jasmine also, like, fucking her childhood bedroom, <laughs> which is, you know, good for her. Good for her. Proud of her for that. Uh, moving on, book two, Learn My Lesson. Jess, how do we feel about Learn My Lesson? I love to learn my lesson. And I feel like Learn My Lesson and A Worthy Opponent are my favorite one in the six. So they just are. I remember the most. Um, but Learn My Lesson is so much plot. It's so much plot. We get the confirmation um, of because at this point, I, it, when I read the books, I read after Neon Gods. So by the time I got to learn my lesson, you start asking your questions. Wait. How how is everything? How is this connected? Is it the same universe? And this reread, you're saying like it's like the thirteen, the like um, when you find out that the thirteen that are in Olympus, there um some of the positions are legacy positions, but I don't think that that's what they they refer to them and learn my lesson. Um, but you're you're finding out more about Hades, how he was kicked out by Zeus. But what we know about Zeus is that, like, he's also killing off his Hera's and that Patroclus is also or maybe it's somebody else who's like the one son that did live. But Hercules was banished. It's a whole it's a whole bunch of bullshit. Not bullshit, but it's a lot of politics in this one. It is a lot of politics in this one. And I really like Learn My Lesson, too. I, I like that it is about in mature, I say mature, like a woman in her like mid thirties yeah. that has been in a relationship for a long time and she's just not feeling it. She's like lonely and her, like Hades isn't talking to her anymore. She's feeling like iced out of everything and she's kind of like lost. So that is like Meg's internal work throughout this whole book. And um, this book is interesting because we have three POVs in this book. We have Hercules, Hades, and 
Meg. Um, but this book opens with a cold open in the restaurant where Hades tells Meg to go fuck Hercules. Uh, I was, I have to say, shocked at how much I liked Hercules. Uh, he's very, like, sweet, but, like, I'm so surprised to hear how much you enjoyed Hercules. But I guess, I guess, like, I was surprised at how eager Katie made him. Like, he, he was, he's like a very eager boy. Yeah, he isn't himbo, but he's very people-pleasing golden retriever. He just wanted to be loved and appreciated and wanted to make both Meg and Hades so happy because he, at this point, like he's, he's no longer, you know, what's one of the things he's like, Oh, my name is Hercules. And Meg's like, think off, think pretty highly of yourself. Don't you? And then she's like, Oh shit, you are that Hercules. No wonder you're so hot. I pictured Hades, this Hades, this book's Hades as Eric Dane. Specifically, specifically as Cal in Euphoria, that was, that was how I pictured him. Yeah. Cause the, the narrator, I mean, they're all Canadian. They all have their Canadian tells, but like the narrator has, when he does Hades voice, kind of like a gruffer, gravelly tone. And it was Eric Dane. I thought Jeff Goldblum. Whoa. But I think that's because I've seen some fan art. So mm-hmm. that's why I tried to. So I was like, who is kind of like that? And that's why I pictured Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It was Eric, Eric Dane for me. Yeah. It's, it was good. It was good. I like Euphoria liked it. Eric Dane or yeah. Grey's Anatomy? Oh, Euphoria. Euphoria. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Euphoria Eric Dane. It's just like the most recent one. But like, okay. Because he said like the salt and pepper with the glasses and he has like the suits and stuff. I was like, yeah, I can see it. I see it easily. Oh, that's, did you, who did you picture? Did you cast everybody? No, that's just, it was, it it was instant based on the voice narration. Okay. I was like, oh my God, this guy, this guy reminds me of somebody. Who does he sound like? He sounds like Eric Dane. Oh my God. Eric Dane could totally fit here. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where I went. That's where I went. That's where I went. Um, okay. Back to learn my lesson. Back to learn my lesson. Meg, Meg, Meg has, I think it's important to say that Meg is like Hades' right-hand lady. She's like the queen of the underworld. You could call it that. Um, She is deeply unhappy. There is no communication. There is no trust between her and Hades. Um, Meg is a switch. Hades is her dom. And the game of a fuck the waiter, and it just happens to be Hercules, is Hades working out a revenge plot. And the no communication, no trust starts here because Hades is not telling Meg what any of this is about. She thinks it's a stranger. Hades knows right away who this person is. Yeah, he's been following him, Hercules. Hades has been following Hercules, kind of keeping tabs on him for some time. And at the same time, Hades, and and this is worked out later in the book, where Hades sees that she's unhappy. So he keeps trying to fulfill her in different ways. But this goes with, like, the miscommunication. Because at one point, she's like, so your idea for not communicating was to not communicate even more? And he's like, yeah, that 
doesn't sound as great when you're saying it out loud like that. And he's like, but you're just as you're at fault, too. Like, you didn't tell me these things. I mean, the whole thing is a miscommunication. Things could have just been fixed. Um, But these are the things that are just constantly being added onto her list of and here's another thing and here's another thing and then even when Hercules gets pulled into it and Hercules comes out and says he's like what what is it I know my father I know you know who my father is so this is a bigger thing and Hercules and Hades tells Hercules and then Meg and Hercules are having this whole conversation and it's like that scene in Euphoria where she's like I don't know do you and he's like yeah I know and she was just gutted again like Wait, how do you, you just came into this. I've been in a 10 year relationship with this person and he didn't tell me another thing. He doesn't tell her, he basically tells her nothing until the very end, which is like really frustrating um, because he knows everything. And he, and, and he, Hades ends up telling Hercules before he tells Meg, which I thought was annoying. Um, but, but, but all of this, all of this is, I mean, we'll go th- through this quickly. Uh, Hades walks in on Hercules and Meg fucking, and they leave it at that. And Hercules sees Meg in a submission um, pose, and he's very, like, gets his feathers ruffled about that. Is that her choice? Is that her consent? All of that. Yeah, and he's, again, very golden retriever, hero, just just how he like he is in the animated movie. So he's very like, oh, I'll save you, Meg. And they were like, LOL, Meg's been playing you. So he goes to meet with Hercules. Like, look, Alex, she, that is clearly, I'm here. I'm here to save the day. I am the savior. You can have me and exchange, like, you can have me and let her go. And he was like, joke's on you. She doesn't want to be let go, but uh, we already shook on it. Well, they kissed on it, but... Yeah, they kissed on it. And it's like, ooh, 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 you can have me. And Hades is like, I can fuck you. I can fuck. Let's be clear. Yes. And H- and Hercules is like, yeah, you can have all of me. And he's like, all right, but here's our second, our second viewing of Tank. Hello, Tank. Nice to see you. Um, she has now two months left on her contract, which is important because when we see her again, she has two days. Um, so that, that's very fun. Um, Tink is training Hercules to like take her place. It, that, all of that. Yeah. Tink is a jack of all trades and, and sorts. So we know she's a stylist. We learn a little bit more that she's working for Hades here. We even have her going to Meg saying like, Hey, it's, you know, my contract's up in two months. Like, can you like what what are the options can i stay on board and she's like we'll revisit it but like you always have a home here and this is where you said where she's also kind of like a sub to the the club the 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 underworld club um and kind of like a bartender like a she's kind of like she's just kind of everywhere and now she's also going to be training hercules which this is how meg finds out that this deal this agreement has been made because she goes to Hades right away and he's like oh, so you heard he goes what the fuck is going on you can't replace he can't do this job to, she's gonna stay and Hades is like nope I read people I can read their kinks I can read when they're gonna dip she's gonna dip and this and then you know she marches over to Hercules she's like absolutely fucking not this is not happening Wh- who are you to know I wanted this like, you don't know me. And he's like, that's, you know, and this is when Hercules is realizing, oh, I fucked up. I fucked up hard. 
She's like, you didn't ask me. You have absolutely no idea what any of this is. You just like signed your life away for no reason. Of course, Meg has her own baggage about like her being discarded because she was part of a deal with her like ex-boyfriend piece of shit Declan. And like, that's how she got into all of this. So she has like a, like a, like a soft spot for, for deals kind of like that. Um, we get to see Aurora. Love Aurora. Aurora is in this scene, this Meg, Hades, Hercules, Aurora kind of sexy scene. I like seeing Aurora. They say that she's sweet. Uh, she's just pleasant to be around. And they they build up her character like that. So I liked seeing her again in the third book, which we will get to. Um, very sexy scene. And Meg is deeply still in her head and she and from here on meg has to like kind of work through this inkling of jealousy about being iced out between hades and hercules because she says like do they even notice that i'm here are they so wrapped up in each other um you know he and i stopped talking is he just going to talk to hercules now well, and then there's also the rejection because as these agreements are being made between Hades and Hercules, and then he and Hades even says, okay, one of the things, you can't fuck Meg. You know, you can't fuck her. And then her and Hercules, and then, you know, when they're, when Meg and Hercules have those one on one moments, he goes, oh, but Hades told me I can't fuck you. So, pushes her away and it's another form of rejection because not now not only is she being rejected by Hades in every aspect as lovers as you know as business partners now she's also feeling rejected on a personal level too with another person and she's just feeling like Hades is choosing everybody but her at this point and Hades is trying because him bringing he because Hades has his own internal dialogue because he has his, his POV. He says like, I didn't expect Hercules to be this like bomb to our relationship. Like I see where he would kind of fit. He's not supposed to be here forever. I could see where he would fit though. And Hades also like like after uh, this scene, he goes to Meg's room and he's like, I know that you're hurting. Like I see that you're hurting. Um, you know, but it's you and me. Like I like we're here. I don't tell you I love you enough, but like all of this stuff. But again, um, he leaves her and she wakes up alone, which is kind of the the theme. She's alone. And uh, I do feel for Meg here uh, that shit is hard to admit. I feel like, especially as like a like an older, I say like older woman, but you know what I mean, like a mid thirties, like kind of woman, because yeah. H- Hades is in his fifties, and Meg doesn't even know what she doesn't know, right about Hades. Yeah, and I, I feel like there's a lot of self. I mean, based on the internal dialogue, there's a lot of self awareness going on, but it's like okay, it's like step, like when you go through different steps and different programs, you're like, okay, internally, I recognize X, Y, and Z. But now that I recognize this, that next step of like, well, what do I do now? And then, okay, well, I know what I should do. But acting upon those next steps can be difficult for people too. Yeah. And then like Meg, Meg cries, like she cries with Hercules, you know, she's jealous and she's sad. 
Uh, and then Hercules uh, shares, you know, vulnerability with he her. Plays with her too, yeah. And he he ends up telling her about like Zeus and how he got exiled from where he lived because his dad did like shitty stuff. Um, and it, it's really like vulnerable. And it, it's and then you know they end up having sex. They they're all very horny. Everybody's very horny. Every yeah. it, it's a did it always always always. It's interesting with this book because I know we were saying like villains and the like the heroes and the villains um like kind of like the general breakdown when we started this episode but really this there there really aren't villains in learn my lesson the villain is the problem the villain is the miscommunication they aren't villains towards each other they're figuring out how the pieces of the puzzle are going to work because emotions are involved and emotions from three different people are involved on more than a platonic level hades does i do appreciate this confess to hercules like hey this is what happened. I'm going after your dad, a son for a son. I'm going to blackmail him with you. Are you dead? Like, what's up? Hercules is like, I'm down with it. I'm down with it. It is interesting when Meg hears all of the confessions from Hades about his wife, about his son, about how she, and then she says like, I am always hurting. I feel replaceable. I think that, um, you know, you didn't tell me this like deep part of your life. But then Meg also says like, you had a wife and a child. These are like two things that I fundamentally do not want to be. And like, she's comparing herself. She's like really feeling um, like she doesn't have much worth. And then, and then... And then, which surprised me, is Hades. Hades is like, what if we became a triangle, which is the strongest shape? We love a triangle that is the strongest shape. What if we became a triad, the triangle? Uh, then again, what if we DPU Meg just to, you know, show how much there is trust there? Love it. Uh, very fun. Um, but, but Meg says like she, she feels, um, like safe. She, uh, Hades takes them all to his bed, which is like a very special moment because like they have agreed because Meg does not see a way forward in like their threesome relationship. But hey, but Hercules is like gung ho. Obviously, he's like, yes, we can do it. Hercules is like, I have never, I mean, and we know that like, Hercules has hooked up with everybody at this point. He has, like, he has dialogue about it. But I feel like this was the first time that he was like, wait, this is a possibility. Sign me up. Because everybody is finding something. And you, you had said it earlier that Hades was like, this was just supposed to be a Band-Aid to, like, make, I know Meg isn't happy. Maybe this will make her happy for a little bit. But he, but Hades is finding himself falling for, like, this golden retriever boy, he's like, he's so, he's just, he's the good in the sunshine that I can't bring to Meg's life that, and I'm falling for it too. Which is, which is really nice because they, they paint Hades the same, or they, I mean, Katie paints Hades kind of the same way that Hades is painted in Dark Olympus, just like a, the aesthetic too is like dark, dark, dark. And then here you have Hercules, which is like bright sun. We love, we love, uh, speaking of sun, uh, Zeus is in touch. Zeus says, hey, fuck you, 12 hours, 12 hours, 12 hours. I'm going to come fuck you up in 12 hours. 
And Hades is like, okay, we'll lock it down. We'll lock it down. Uh, you know, good stuff there. Uh, I again, Meg offering to get Hercules out. Um, and Hercules is understanding that, like, that's her nest egg that she is like was going to use it for herself. He understands like how much that means to her. We also have Tink coming in with a black guy, which is important in the next book. <laughs> uh, and then here we have um, the. The Meg was braced for rejection when she gets called into Hades' office, but Hercules and Hades like very privately like fuck Meg here, and she says that she's never like felt so loved, like in like very it's very special for her. Um, but then after that, Hercules and Hades are supposed to have a scene in public, and they're out there, and everybody's there. There's like a roll call of everybody that is there. <laughs> it's like Jasmine, Tank, Hook, Beast, everybody. Everybody's there. And you know what's nice about this series is that you can obviously they can they can be read out of order as standalones, but with any but you know, like if you read them in order, you you see where the story is going. You see where the growth is. But like after this roll call of all of these characters who are just like setting it up for the rest of the series, that's so fun. Uh Meg is not there, so it's immediately like, where's Meg? And then we have Tink coming in and being like, Tink, go there. And then Meg goes to where Tink tells her, which is the parking lot, and then Zeus is there with Aurora, and Aurora pops out and he's and she's like, My mom. And we get more backstory about Aurora and her mom, who's on life support at the hospital. And then Meg is in the car with Zeus, and they are speeding off towards Olympus, and here are where our worlds collide. Well, let's not forget, at this point, there was this beautiful, special scene with Hades, Hercules, and Meg. And with Hercules' permission, Hades like, I'm going to send this to your dad. And Hercules is like, okay. And so Her- so Hades sends, like, this threesome of um, uh, of them together to Zeus and Zeus is like I'm gonna fuck you up and he's like my guy like son for a son you killed my wife and my son I'm not killing your son I'm just I'm just making a mine and Zeus is like I'd rather my son be dead than hook up with you and that's where we get the whole kidnapping of Meg which still isn't fair because it's like Zeus you still get like you kill. You took things from Hades. Hades is just sleeping with your son. Like again, you took things from Hades. Like they're done. <laughs> uh, so there. Of course, everybody has to go get Meg. Everybody gets in the car. Go gets Meg. They run Zeus off the road, and Hades ends up shooting Zeus in the shoulder. But Zeus is alive, and Meg has broken rips. Uh, Hades then exiles Zeus from Carver City and says that, like, everybody else won't do business with him, and they will respect Hades on this, like, one thing. This one thing. And then Meg declares love. Everybody loves each other. And then they all make uh, three lifetime bargains, uh, equal ground, and a mutual claiming. We love it. Yes, that is the end. Triangle is the strongest shape. Triangle is the strongest shape. Triangle <gasps> is the strongest shape. Um, last book, last book. Moving on. A worthy opponent. Jess, talk to me about worthy opponent. So worthy opponent picks up essentially two months later because we know that Tink is like, hey, uh, what about that job? Uh, I still want to be here. And Hades says, lol, no, you're out. And she's like, 
I understand where he's coming from, but I don't have to like it right now because fair. You know, she kind of has free room and board. She has protection. She has safety. She is in a comfort zone right now. And he's also like, um, I know I did a good job because I only took 5% of your, like, on top of everything that you make here. You also did your own styling gig on the side making clothes, styling, like the best of the best of Culver City. And you have your own nest egg. She is kind of like, if I go out into the real world, I will have to fate, you know, she's, she's dealing with a lot of working through her trauma of being an abusive, in an abusive relationship with Peter. She's worried that she's, he's going to find her. Um, She's even changed her name at this point, not two days after that she's left, even after like, Hades, please don't. And he's like, find yourself a place. I will keep your stuff here in my storage. You'll be fine. I know you can do this. Um, Hook is also approaching her like, hey, he's still out here. Here's my, you know, here's my agreement. Yes, in a way, you're trading one Net again, trading one cage from another from Hades to me, but like, we got to get married, we got to do this, I'm going to protect you from Peter Pan. And she was like, no, I can do it on my own. Peter finds her. And now she's terrified. She's scared. And she's like, okay, so about that agreement hook. Yeah, about that agreement hook about marriage, which is we love we love a marriage of convenience. Uh, I love Tink. Tink is 5'2". Her name is Tatiana. She's 25. She got into an abusive relationship with Peter when she was 16. She was there for four years. And then she's been working for Hades for five years. Um, and Hades, she says that he has like kind of a parental tone when he talks to her and like tells her to do these things and that she hates it. But you can see where what he was doing at the end of this book. He like saw the potential in her. Um, but like you always hate growth in the moment. It always sucks. Uh, I love that Hook's first name is Jameson. That's very sexy. That's very sexy to me. I like that the safe word is pirate and Hook likes that too. Very fun. He loves it because he knows what people said behind his back, like saying, oh, he's kind of like this rook. He's this pirate kind of thing. And then to find out that Tink, that's Tink's safe word, he's like, you've been thinking about me, haven't you? Even though you've been avoiding me, you've been thinking about me. But he's been in love with her this whole time. Oh, yeah. Um, Hook has been in love with Tink since she was probably like 16. I would, right? Like, probably. probably. Yeah, because she's, because there's a, she's like they describe her as she's like a thicker girl now but she hasn't always been that way and and he like in one of his professions of love she's like oh if you loved me then you must hate me now she's like i've learned to love my curves and there's like a lot of like i love who i am physically but she's like if he liked me when i look like that there's not a chance that he's physically attracted to me now which is just like i like when katie has these dialogues happening because we are in a phobic society it is very important and it does get brought up uh, a few times tink brings it up and she's like don't pick me up i'm too heavy uh you know i don't feel comfortable or um i don't look the same i'm not the standard uh, just just things like that are, are nice representation is nice and it is nice to see a character be celebrated for who she is body and soul and we love that and especially because tink is such a brat and we love that so much uh, so what is this marriage this marriage is um they're not going to have sex 
They're not going to have sex. They're going to get married and they're going to kill Peter. And when Tink is ready for Hook, she has to crawl to him. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, a couple other things about Tink is that she's strangely, really, I say strangely, that's not the right word, unexpectedly religious. And she's been donating to the church. Um, Father Elijah is here. She has a relationship with him. He was the key. Um, Peter beat up Father Elijah, and that was the straw that broke the camel's back for Tink. She had to leave after that. And Tink still makes donations to the church to this day. And he's the father that marries her and Hook. Yeah. And we like that. And he comes in and she's like, Father, I've been working at a kink club for five years. I have sinner like tattooed on my forehead. He's like, <laughs> God loves all the sinners. It's all good. It's all good. It's it's just fun. And again, unexpected. Uh, knowing that uh, Katie has like religious trauma, so I was unex, you know, surprised to see that in there. I feel like a lot of us do. Oh, absolutely, so much, <laughs> so much, so much, so much. Um, what what is going on here? Um, Hook and Tank have to go to the underworld, of course, to <laughs> announce that they're married. Of course, this is the most logical thing. <laughs> He's like, we got, we, we get, I mean, like, it's so silly. I think one of, one of Hook's people was even like, I know social media exists, but this, this works so much faster. And it's so great. And I love like Megan's like, Meg is like, I mean, I, I know you didn't want to leave, but like, I didn't realize it was this. You should have said something. I would have fought Hades harder to keep you here if you were going to go with Hook. Uh, it, it's it's silly. It's fun. Something else that was fun is on this reread, I noticed that after Tink sends all of Hook's clothes to the cleaners because she was annoyed that they were on the floor and she's a clothing designer and you need to like respect the things that you have, uh, he pulls out leather pants. And that's interesting because he was wearing leather pants that he doesn't like in um, uh, 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 um, the first book, the first book, Desperate Measures. Desperate Measures. Which is funny, knowing knowing in the third book that he didn't actually like those pants that he was wearing in the first book when he was- They were probably like, but they, he, okay, so how often do we wear things that we might not love? but we know we look good in. We might not feel comfortable, but I know that I look snatched. Like he probably that's probably why he wore those. It's like on it, on it, love it. Uh, they also have a very sexy shower show. If you want to talk about pacing as a little bit of a criticism here, uh, the shower show where Tink was like, I fucking hate this guy. I am going to finger fuck myself while he is in the shower. I was like, whoa. Well, he says that too. He was Whoa. like, "Look, ma'am, you say you don't like me. You got one little peek, and you're all for it." Yeah, and I, I was like, "Tink, <laughs> I mean, uh, lie better if you're like <laughs> lie better. It's not don't do that. It's just like lie better, lie better. Where's your poker, where's your poker face? You were working in the underworld for five years. Yeah." Damn, it's just, it's just, you know, it was just, it's just funny. Um, so she is, uh, the pet names here are beautiful girl and, um, her safe word is pirate, uh, fun stuff. Uh, we're in the underworld. Of course we are. We have Adam at the desk. He's awesome. He has no pores. We love that for him. Aurora, this is where we get our female friendship, right? We really get our female friendship. And I love that Tank is just like shocked by this female friendship, but Aurora's like, 
we're friends. Like, I missed you. I'm glad you're here. Um, and then Tink is like, uh, should we get coffee? Let's let's get coffee. And then Electo's like, I'm getting work. We're all, all of us, we're all getting coffee. What the fuck is going on? Why did you marry her? Yeah, and then even Aurora's like, do I need to kick some ass? Which was, even Tink says, she was like, this is a side of Aurora. Like, we're so used to seeing her as this very submissive, very soft-spoken, wouldn't-hurt-a-fly kind of girl. Um, And all of a sudden, she's, like, ready to go to war for me. She's like, I, I just thought these were, like, people that were females that I knew. I didn't... She had... And we have to remember... With Tink's background, she she came from a foster family. She was bounced around a lot. So she she even says she moved around a lot. So those forming certain friendships weren't something that she ever prioritized in her life because the second she would, it would kind of get taken away from her. So seeing that these people cared about her and considered her a friend, she was like, oh, is, is this what friendship is? I've never known it in my life. Which is nice because it is another kind of layer of inner work that Tink does throughout the book, kind of starting from here and ending at the end of the book where she's like, oh, it, it is okay to have friends. Friends aren't just like a lever that someone can pull to like really um, hurt you because Peter did such a number on her at such a young age that she's still like deeply working through that. And, um, you know, I think uh, having a five sum is a good way <laughs> to get through some of it. I forgot how many people were involved until this reread. I was like, whoa, I definitely blocked that out. Yeah. Yeah. And Hook was like, well, I can't fuck you. That doesn't mean. Everybody else can. Everybody else can. Uh, I have to say the smut in this one in particular is just like, like up a level. Uh, the language is up a level. Uh, it's fun. It's fun. It's not exactly my cup of tea, but it is all very fun. I like this. I like when Hook says that I will fuck you until you see the face of God. I mean, we love the religious trauma. More please. <laughs> These three books. You can read in a myriad of ways. You could read just the spice if you're only looking for spice. You could read just the story without the spice and you're still going to get Or you could read it together like we did. Like there's so many different ways you could cherry pick how you're going to read through these. Yeah, there there is. Um, we have another uh, body image kind of, you know, situation with Tink. We love it so much. This is her just talking about, like, you knew me then. What about now? Again, Tink is thinking that divorce is a failure. Again, religious trauma. Amazing. Uh, Katie has tropes. Katie has her own tropes. Katie Robert, the author who we love and adore. One of them being hair washing. And hair washing takes place here. You picked up on that. I didn't pick up on it until you brought it up. Like, oh, huh, it does happen a lot. No, I want my hair washed. Yeah, yeah. But then I think I would be annoyed and be like, you didn't get it right. They're <laughs> yeah. behind my ear. Like, where's my brush? I got to get the, you know, <laughs> I, I have a system to wash my hair. Um, but hair washing again, uh, Tink calls it weird aftercare, but it's, it's, he loves her. So he's, he's really wanting to be there for her. He's very attentive and not just, and, and she even says, she's like, 
is it because he's just a really good dom? Because I know that there's shitty doms out there. But then when he picks up on certain mannerisms that she has, obviously, it's not just because he's a good dom. It's because he's in love with her and has been. So he's attentive about taking care of her, not just who his sub is. And speaking of subs tank tops from the bottom when she wakes up <laughs> hook with a blowjob and it's very funny he's like i'll allow it this one time um but it was a very like i would say like sensual like emotional blowjob uh she like connected with it i don't know you know it is what it is and, and he he catches on like that he she locks herself in the in the bathroom crying because she's having all these revelations. She's like, I'm not I'm no longer scared of Peter. I'm scared about what Hook Hook is going to break my heart, and that's what she's scared of. And he's like, Come out, we got to talk. And he's like, I'll give you thirty minutes. And he goes downstairs to talk to his cousin or whoever. And he's like, he he's internal he his internal dialogue is even saying. I know what she just realized and she knows what she just realized. And now she has to work through that. And the way that she works through it is by attacking Edgar with a knife at the door. <laughs> she's leaving boss. She's leaving. She's leaving. It's like, you got a situation. And Hook's like, she's five, two. Like what? What, can, what? I don't know. You're, you're under five, four. And if I saw you at the door with a knife, I'd be scared as fuck too. Taking everybody with me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's, and he even says, he goes, What is this six foot three, 200 plus guy running to me? <laughs> this must be serious. It's like, What is what is going on? And, he, and then, but then after that, he's like, You can't act like this. This is like a reflection on me. It's like a stability, a safety thing. Like, what are you doing? Like, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. And Hook's internal monologue is like, Hey, I could tell her my plan, but nah, why do that? Why tell her my plan? <laughs> none of these men want to come No, none of them. None of them want to tell us the bigger thing. But he's like, talk to me. Why are you so upset? But nah, I can't trust you about my plan yet. It's like, sir, sir, make up your mind. Make up your mind. Uh, we have he, I say he. After after Hook calms her down, he gives her a phone that has like all of her, I'm going to say it, all of her friends, like numbers in it, and then um, his number and some other people. And Tink immediately calls Meg and is like, give me my stuff. I want my stuff. Now, please. Well, specific. She was like, just the stuff on my desk. Like, I have shit. I have work shit to get, get done. And she's like, have you seen your desk? And she goes, yeah, that's why I need you to send it to me. Yeah. All <laughs> like, of it. All of it, please. Oh all of it, please. Um, and of course, that doesn't end up working. And we have politics in here. The politics being that Belle's dad, the man in black, ends up dying. So there's like just a, overall, I mean, think about it. We've gone through three books. We know that there's a lot of political instability with all of the territories because there was a coup with Balthazar, which Jafar took over by the end of Desperate Measures. Um, Jasmine is running. So we've had that that territory in three hands in one book. Then we have um, 
you know, learn my lesson, which is kind of like neutral ground. But there's already political things afoot because Zeus has come down from Olympus. Then we also have this book where we learn we also learn that this territory that Hook is running used to be Peter's and Peter's dad used to work for Peter or for Peter's dad. But there's a connection there also. So we know that Hook has taken over Peter's territory and Peter and Peter is just like Hook is taking my life. He's taken my 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 territory, my girl, my this, my that, everything. And now we have Belle Isabel's dad dying, and that's another territory that we are learning is going to have a, a political um, instability. All going on in Cul- Culver City. All going on, like all happening, like right now. Very very good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, we have very sexy rope work. Jess, what's the word for that? Shabari. Shabari. Uh, Tink is struggling with it. Would you say that that's correct? Yeah, I think she's struggling it. I think part of it comes with um, just like her, like her, her body image, like her, just like what she thinks of her body. Um, it's also, there's a lot of trust there. Like, I think that's the biggest thing is that she has to trust him in this rope work. And that is something that she has going on internally. And then he says it externally, like, you have to trust me. Um, there is trust because they continue um, with this scene until she realizes the emotional capacity at which she cares for Hook. And she, she uses her safe word and he like splashes cold water and he understands. I mean, of course, there's the initial like, did I hurt you? Oh my God. And that's when he realized it was kind of bigger than that. And she communicated with him too. That was also, I think, really important with this scene was that she communicated that it had nothing to do with him. It's her realizing how much bigger this relationship was to her. They do not want a happily ever after. I loved that. I want to live not heavily, happily ever after with you. That was so fun. Well, and he like taught, he was like, I don't happily ever after means like nothing happens. So he's like, I want a life with you shit comes with having a life yeah i want family and she's like i want kids he's like i want kids too why 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 are you why are you thinking that i'd like mm. and also he goes what what if we change our mind what if we want dogs instead that's okay too like you know how i feel about that shit i think they're so cute it's good. It's good. It's good. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. So, so the backslide of this book, we are almost done here. Uh, it is, it is important for us to remember that Tink has a taser in her suitcase that she has with her in the apartment that she shares with Hook. That's important. That's important. Uh, she is, she wants to be a partner. She wants to be a full equal. She's like fully committed now. She's in love with Hook. Um, she wants in on the plan. She wants to know what's going on. The plan. Hook and Nigel are going to be walking this way. It's not a very good plan. And Tink is going to be walking this way because she's going to the fabric store. And they're following her. And there's teams. And Peter's going to come get her. But Peter says, eh, and goes after Hook instead. And Peter kidnaps Hook um, using his little friend John in there. Well, we forgot to add that before the kidnapping um peter has gone to the storage unit which all of her stuff 
for her work stuff, her stylist stuff, her everything is, and trashes the place. Pours everything. Nothing is usable. She's lost money because some of them were like, you know, special made-to-order pieces. And something to be said, Hades security is shit. Because now this is the third break-in, or yep. second break-in. Like, get a new security system and security, my guy. Um, but that is happening. So they're trying to be like, okay, he's running amok. we got to catch this guy. Tank, we're, you're officially, we need to use you as bait. And part of the way to use Tank as bait, because Peter knows Hook means something to her, instead of going after Tank, he's doing it the other way around, and nobody factored that part in. Which I... I've always thought Peter Pan was pretty creepy. I, the, 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 all of this, all of this, really hammers home that Peter is a creep. Um, but Tink, because she got punched in the fucking eye two months ago, knows where I'm going to say who who is this girl? Is it Wendy? Wendy yeah. yeah, it's Wendy. Um, Tink knows where Wendy is um, because she found her when Wendy pen- punched her in the eye, and. Um, Peter calls Tink and he's like, hey, I've got a hook. Come get him. Come get him. And then Tink does something which I thought was like really big for her. She sends out that like group message to all of her her friends, her friends, and is like, hey, like, don't worry about me. I wish I had like realized what y'all meant to me like earlier on and we could have had like a relationship. And they're like, we have a relationship. You just like didn't realize it. Like, Come on. Which it was which is again, like you said, it's a huge thing because she has isolated herself in friendships. And as we both know personally, when you have to ask, you know, not that we you don't think that your friends aren't going to be there for you, but taking that step to be like, hey, I could really use some help. Or can you just like take this on or just because at that time, too, she thought that was her farewell text. Like She was like, I love you guys. Bye. And they were like, what are you talking about? Everybody and all the girls rallied. Yeah, they all rallied. They were like, what? What? Unacceptable. Unacceptable bullshit. Um, But after she sends that text, she's like, I got to take care of my shit. I will. will I'll touch base with you at the end. Uh, Tink goes into that apartment and Peter's making fucking bacon. I was thrown. I was thrown. I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, but then when they started, I say they, when Katie started describing the like the smell and like the sizzling, I was like, oh, oh, that is some sick shit, sir. Well, yeah. He goes, have you ever, especially when the skin is so pure? Like What? What is happening? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely not, absolutely not. So Peter is making bacon, and Tink goes into the apartment. Uh, is it an apartment? I think it's an apartment. Yeah, and she's got her like purse in front of her, like her bag. She's using like in front of her, and I remember being like, I thought personally that she had the knife in in her bag. I didn't think she had the taser. Um but Hook has a concussion. He's pa- he's like out on the couch. He's like a little bit woozy. Um and then there's like the confrontation. There's the confrontation between Peter and Tank and they they're talking and she's like no, never again. Fuck you. I am my own person. All of this stuff I got out. I I am choosing this. All, everything. Fuck you, Peter. And she tasers the fuck out of his arm and his throat when he goes to grab her to like put her hands in the grease. Ass. 
Yeah, absolutely not. So she he's she thinks knocked out. Um, Hook is coming too, and he's like, Tink, Tink. And she knows in that moment, she's like, Do not tell me the second I turn around, this, this motherfucker is gonna be up. Because <laughs> she knows, she's like, no, I don't even want to look. I don't even want to look because I know what's gonna be there. It's like, God damn it. Um, but because she, because Tink had taken the keys and the gun out of Peter's, um, like pockets, Hook has a gun to shoot three shots, Peter in the chest, and Peter falls down dead. Bam, bam. He's done. And Tink needs to see. And I like that. I like um, that Tink is like, no, show, show me the body. Show it to me. I appreciate the shit out of that. I wish more characters would be like, give me the proof. I think it would solve a lot of problems. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm somebody who I know I would just keep going. <laughs> like, make sure you're like... Yep. Empty the clip. Empty it. Empty it. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, not as amazing, though, as going home and this scene with Aurora, Meg, and Electo in the house and Edgar, I guess Edgar's like very like hassled and Aurora is sitting here like, I will burn this motherfucker to the ground. Give me answers. Like, get him, Aurora. About it. Yeah. I, there's an appreciation for Aurora there. I, there's an appreciation for all of them. I like that, like, they, that there just is more of female friendships. And I, again, you see the the progress from book one to just book three. And you see it all through Dark Olympus. It's one of the reasons we love Katie Robert and her her writing with the, her female characters because she doesn't isolate the women. No, they are front and center and we love it so much. And then, and that's what Tink says too. Like, I have friends. BT dubs, I want a fall wedding. I want a like a spectacle. I want to marry you again. Like, I want for to real. marry you yeah. for real. And Hook's like, I was going to offer you a divorce. And his POV is like, but fuck. Because that's what the, the narrator says. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> you should be a narrator too. I, I could do it. I could do it. It's like, if she's cho- if she's choosing me, then like, who am I to say like, you know. Um, so that's that's wonderful. And they're getting married. And, and, they're, and they said they're going to have like, maybe raise like hellions or something. So... Good, good for them. That is the end of these three books. They're very enjoyable. Jess, are you burned out on smut? I need a smut break. Like, even though this is fantasy and it was rom- romance slash smut, I think I need, I need to go in for some like straight fantasy. Maybe like no thoughts, just vibes in my fantasy right now. You always read fantasy though. You don't really read a ton of smut. No. So I feel like you're like, fine. Thank God. Well, no, like it is, it is fun to me when I read just smut because I almost never do. So it's like a little break. It's like, ooh, smut. And then I go back to like politics. Uh, it's, it's really great. Uh, Jess, which is your favorite book and which is your favorite couple? Oh, or relationship, I guess. My favorite book is Learn My Lesson. Of all, I, I mean, I know we'll eventually cover three or uh, four, five, six, but Learn My Lesson has consistently been my favorite book, but my favorite couple has been um, Hook and Hook and Tank. You? 
Same. Absolutely yeah. the same. My my favorite couple is Hook and Tink. They're just fun. Yeah. They're, ju- they're just fun. I like their banter. I just, I like them. And it's, you know, what's really fun about these is that it's nice to see a retelling that completely gives it a whole different spin that I feel like we have yet to see. Like, start, you know, start making these into to TV. I know there's there's the show Once Upon a Time, but that still pretty much you know lines up with the stories that we're familiar with. Give this with a twist, man. Yeah, I mean we have descendants. Give us give us something else. Give us something yes. different, right? That's what we want. That's what the people need. Give us what we crave. Uh it's what plants crave. Uh I Really enjoyed this, Jess. I have to say thank you. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. Thank you for bringing this to the podcast. Thank you for exposing me to this type of uh, romance because I would not have, even though it's a Katie, I would not have picked this up on my own. So thank you for expanding my horizons. And thank you for talking about it with me. I feel like usually sometimes with when there's a lot of spice in a book, you kind of people want to kind of focus on the spice. But I really just wanted to talk about the storylines. And I knew you were the perfect person who'd want to do that with me. Absolutely. And of course, it just makes so much sense that these connect to Dark Olympus. So we will have so much to discuss when we continue our Dark Olympus coverage uh, in the next couple months couple months yeah cruel seduction comes out in august and i know you're trying to go to that book signing so that's gonna be really fun too i am i'm trying to go to the um i believe it is where is it it's for collins uh the book signing there hopefully fingers crossed that i will make it uh very exciting stuff thank you so much jess you're welcome. And thanks for joining us. You can find us on Instagram. We're at Akafe Podcast. We're also both on TikTok, Akafe Laura and Akafe Jessica. Thanks for joining us and we'll talk to y'all soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye.